Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1234 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer in Rogers Place, an ice district where tomorrow the Edmonton Oilers. We'll take on the Kraken. Oilers held out eight of their top nine forwards last night, but uh, took it to the Calgary Flames. Somehow I think it uh, might tie into a bit as to which team you're a fan of. Is it a big deal or not? Does it mean any? I mean, it's preseason. Flames had a lot of their key guys out too, but they had a little bit more experience in the lineup, and Edmonton absolutely dominated the game. The one thing that sort of is interesting is, are we seeing that the organization has a little bit more depth up front than they've had in the past? Well, we're going to bring aboard our NHL insider, John Shannon, for legacy heating and cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy, legacy heating and cooling. John, how are you? Great, Bob. You? Good. Did last night's game mean anything? I don't. I don't think it means anything for the team. Uh, where I do think it means, and I think this is where preseason is supposed to. I think it means something for individuals, so that if you're able to sit there and and look at the role that Evan Bouchard, for instance, played in the success of the Oilers, I think that everybody in the front office and the coaching staff uh, might have to have a smile on their face today because Bouchard did, and I, I think actually I think Evan exceeded. Uh, what a lot of people thought he would do even in a preseason game. Yeah, he absolutely dominated play. It was not close uh, start to finish. Calgary's going to have a big, heavy team. We know that. They want to play Daryl Sutter hockey. They bring Trevor Lewis in. He's on a line with Richardson and Milan Lucic. That very well could be their fourth line to start the season. And the Oilers won all the loose puck battles when those guys were on the ice last night, John. Uh, Yeah, and and Trevor Trevor Lewis is one of those guys that um, I, I watched him a lot in Winnipeg last year, and the reason he's there is is that he's going to—he's—he's almost like an assistant coach playing uh, to communicate Daryl Sutter's needs and wants, uh, and that's why he's there to so that so that he can be a uh, as much a role player in the room as he is on the ice. Yeah. So and and you know I I don't think 
look, I mean, when, when you put a tweet out, it's just preseason. I think if yeah. you're an order partisan, what you like is the level of competitiveness the team showed from start to finish. The fact that they took some of those body blows that the Flames landed early. Um, and and that, you know, guys fighting for jobs like Perlini and Benson, who both might be in the mix on the left side, they both had pretty good nights overall, John. You know, Brendan, you know, it's funny. Um, there's a guy in Toronto, Josh Hosang, his, you know, probably on his last effort to become a National Hockey League player. And, and he and Brendan Perlini um, were teammates uh, and did not get along, actually, in Niagara for the short period of time they were teammates. Uh, and Perlini uh, has unbelievable skills, individual skills. And for some reason, graduating from junior hockey to the pros, uh, he was never able to realize what that next level. And uh, there's always uh, a chance that a guy like this can recapture what he had in junior hockey, uh, recapture some of the skill that he had, uh, he could. The one thing I could tell you about Brendan Perlini, Bob, he can shoot the puck. Yeah. Uh, and has always been able to shoot the puck. And in this league and in this day and age, being able to shoot the puck is worth something. And if he could ever use his big body at times, Brendan Perlini could be a nice surprise for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, let's go down this path here because it's interesting with Perlini because, John, you would, of course, remember his dad, Fred Perlini, who had a cup of coffee with the Maple Leafs. He was a tal- yeah. he was a talented scorer out of the OHL, never really pound out, uh, panned out as a North American player, uh, went over, played forever in in uh, Great Britain and in, in, in that league, which is not, with all due respect, that's probably the seventh or eighth best league over in Europe, right? Like the KHL, the Swedish League, uh, the Swiss League, heck, even now, uh, you know, the Finnish League, the Austrian League, they'd all, the Czech League, they'd all be ranked ahead of that that uh, British League. But they're, they're, he became a star there, and that's where Brennan started skating and playing hockey was over in England. That's right. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, that, that, and but... By the time Brendan and the family came back from Fred's time as a pro in the, in the UK, um, Brendan Perlini was, uh, you know, he there, there were a lot of people touting him as a, a really good high-profile player. And it, and it just hasn't come to fruition. And, and, you, and you, wonder, you wonder why. It's certainly not because of the physical makeup of the guy. Uh, and if, if this is something that uh, Glenn Gullitson and Jim Playfair and, and Dave Tippett can get through to, then, and obviously uh, Dave is familiar with him uh, from his time in Arizona, uh, perhaps there's there's something there that, uh, that can provide a little bit more depth for the Oilers up front. Well, as you know, he switched agents this year. Jerry Johansson's got him out now. Um, Jerry's got a connection to Ken Holland uh, through another uh, family member, and and you're you're sitting there in a scenario where, you know, I, I what I recall about Perlini, a couple things here, John. He uh, he played for Team Canada in the World Juniors and did nothing, nothing. The one year he was on the team it was really quiet, but then. In the 16-17 season, he had 14 goals in 17 games in the A, came up and scored 14 goals as a rookie in the NHL in 57 games. The next year, he scored 17, and then the year after that, they flipped him to Chicago where he ended up getting 14 on the year. So 14, 17, 14, 
That's not bad. Like, okay, it's not a 25-goal score, but that's not bad. And those weren't, you know, Chicago wasn't what they once were by the time he went there. And that deal for Nick Schmaltz that included Dylan Strom. So Arizona gave up two number ones. But then he just kind of washed out, right? Got moved from Chicago yeah. to Detroit. Ended up one goal in 40 games in 1920. There's an opportunity. It'll be intriguing to see is... Is he in a better situation where he's got the personal connection to Dave Tippett and he's got his agent right here in the city as well? Perhaps. Perhaps. And don't forget, Brendan Brendan had a really good career against Connor McDavid, too. So there is an association there. Connor was in Erie and, and, and Brendan was in Niagara. Yep. Uh, you know, so, I mean, there's some familiarity will help him. Here, here's, here's the one thing I would say, and, and the poster child for this, in, in my mind, is is Zach Hyman. Uh, every, anywhere Hyman went until he until he went to the University of Michigan, he was the he was the big dog. He was the star. He was the scorer. Uh, and Red Berenson pulled him aside and said, "Listen, if you want to get to the next level, you're going to have to learn how to play the game. You know, 200 by 85. You know that old cliche, 200 foot player. Uh, and I, I, I would suggest that Brendan's in that boat too." Uh, Brendan has to learn how to not only be able to score goals, but defend goals. Brendan has to be be prepared to go into the corners and use his body to retrieve the puck. You know, this is not the time when, as a as a 17 or 18 year old, you were a big man on campus. This is a time in your life, in your career, that you want to continue being a professional hockey player in the best league in the world. Uh, and what a bonus it is to have your agent in town. What a bo- bonus it is to have Kenny Holland, who's receptive to giving you a tryout. So this is a good opportunity for Brendan Perlini, and this is a team that if Perlini can reach some level of potential, Perlini can help. Well, uh, switching focus to Zach Hyman, I mean, he didn't he didn't really t- look like a, a player until his last year at Michigan where he got the 22 goals. And then you know what I remember? For all the criticism directed Mike Babcock's way, he loved Zach Hyman to the point. Did he not get criticism for how much he played him with the top players in Toronto? Uh, I, I, it, 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 it was uh, it was rife with criticism. It was rife with sarcasm. Uh, at, at one point, and I'm not, I'm not sure Zach would ever admit this, and I, I, I'll say it. Uh, at one point, every once in a while, his teammates would say, "Hey, Zach, Uncle Mike needs you." Uh, because it appeared to be some level of a family friendship uh, that, that kept Zach Hyman in the lineup. The, the one thing with Hyman, if you look back at his career going back to the Ontario Provincial Junior League, his time at Michigan, is he got better every year. He got better every year because he learned every year. And that's what happened at Michigan. And, you know, he didn't play very much in, in his uh, in his first year. He didn't play very much in his sophomore year. And then in his junior and senior years, he was playing a lot and contributing a lot. And and, and he would, by the time he finished uh, with the Wolverines, he, he was a player that could make that next step to the National Hockey League. We're joined by John Shannon, Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott with you here on Oilers Now. John, so Perlini and Benson are battling for the fourth line left wing spot. Uh, Shore's going to be on the team either as a left wing. He's played mostly center in training camp so far. The right wing, uh, today in practice, Cal Turris was on a fourth line with McLeod and Shore. And the Oilers had their other top three lines as is. McDavid with Hyman and Pugliarvi, Drysaddle, Tharnage, and Yamamoto. Derek Ryan, who was very good last night, we'll hear from Derek at 105, with Fogel and Cassian. 
And the question I have for you, has this situation for Josh Archibald opened up a window perhaps for Kyle Turris or Colton Sevier, who's here on a PTO? Potentially. You know, I mean, hey, listen, just as an aside, the, the, the names that Kenny Holland was able to lure to come on, on, on professional tryouts, that's a pretty impressive list of guys. And that speaks to the changing of the, the philosophy of wanting to play in Edmonton and wanting to play with a team that's a winner. And to have Sevier there, to have Perlini there, to, you know, actually to have Kyle sign last year was a positive out of this as well. Uh, the, the, the thing that will make the thing that will make Devin Shore a big player on this team, Derek Ryan on this team, and potentially a guy like Kyle Turris on this team is their versatility. Um, I, you know, Josh Archibald, it's a shame. It's a shame he hasn't been vaccinated. If he doesn't play, they're going to miss his, ten, uh, his tenacious play. They're going to miss his speed. Uh, but life goes on. And uh, if he can't play or can't play very many games, uh, then somebody's going to take an opportunity. And uh, these guys are professional athletes. They know what to do if they're given a chance. Now, it's interesting today, uh, Bill Daly spoke. The NHL will not be asking for an exemption. Is that correct? From the Canadian government? No. No. No, there's, there's no exemption. You know, they're, they're, it's a, a real Pandora's box when it comes to that. Uh, they're going to live by the rules that were set out that they agreed to with the Players Association. Um, and uh, when, when and Bob, when you have less than 15 players out of almost 800 buying into the program, uh, what, why would you do? Why would you do that? Why not reward the? Why not reward the the 785 athletes who have have made the commitment and taken the vaccination? All right, but the contrast for that would be: What's the status of Major League Baseball and the NBA? Do they have? Well, they have exemptions right now. Do they not from the Canadian government? But you still have you still have to operate inside in a bubble. I mean, you I mean NBA players if they if and when they come to Canada in November, Major League Baseball players that aren't vaccinated, uh, they 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 live under much more. Uh, and tougher uh, uh, situations than players that are vaccinated. You can't go out for dinner with your teammates. You, you know, you still have to just live in the hotel. Uh, you you can't train with your teammates in certain areas. The exemptions are the exemptions are there, sure. But at the same time, what's happened is, is that there are still a separate set of rules for vaccinated players and for non-vaccinated players. And let's face it, I, you know, the NBA, you talk about the NBA. This could be, uh, this is a major issue in that league at this point when you consider the amount of players that choose not to be vaccinated. Well, it's pretty clear. The stars of the NBA have spoken. The fact that the league does not have, uh, I mean, would they have as tight a rules for their unvaccinated players as the NHL has? I, you know, I have not. I don't think that they've actually come out with their rules yet, Bob. I think they're still negotiating with with the players' association. And what, you know what, Bob, this speaks to this speaks to the leverage that the NHL had with the players about the Olympics. The, plain and simple. I mean, we talked about it at the time. You know, you were going to see. Uh, the players' association and the league agree to the protocols for players, and then the next day was the announcement of the Olympics. There's no question in my mind, no question in my mind, that Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and the rest of the National Hockey League made sure that the stringent rules for the regular season were in place long 
before they agreed to go to the Olympics. Now, uh, does any thought process about a potential boycott end because of the release of the two Michaels on the weekend? That's that's gotta. I mean, that that's gotta eliminate considerable. Uh, there's some people out there, and we're, we're we're talking politics, and you know, you're not just our NHL insider, John. <laughs> you're also our political correspondent, chief political. Oh my goodness gracious! Uh, here we are, Craig Oliver. One more time. There you go. Uh, uh, you, you know what? Um, we were we were not not going by ourselves. You know, this is one where you wait for the Americans to decide. Right. Not for one moment have I heard President Biden suggest that they were boycotting the Beijing Olympics. Right. <laughs> not once. And now that the two Michaels are home, and isn't that great news? Um, that doesn't mean our diplomatic relations with China are any better, by the way. Right. Um, you know, I fully suspect that whatever human rights issues that exist for countries like the United States and Canada and Great Britain and France and Germany, when it comes to China, I think we'll probably turn a cheek and send our athletes there by you bob it's not at this point with the olympics it is not going to be very much fun the protocols in place are even more stringent in beijing than they were in tokyo and they were pretty tight in tokyo for the olympics in the summer yeah no question about it we're joined by john shannon john just uh, not to put you on the spot here why you've never done that before well no and i rather enjoy it but what do you think is going to happen here like josh archibald uh, again, the second group is on the ice. He's not on, and maybe we'll get a bit of an up- update today from Dave Tippett about it. Uh, Dave will be speaking probably around 1.45 Edmonton time. So the way this works, just so the listeners are available, are, are where um, there's two sets of practices most days. Uh, on days that they don't scrimmage, which is a day like today, uh, Dave Tippett speaks after the second practice. Now, today it was mostly the majority of the Oilers team with the first uh, practice group and the second practice group is is primarily the AHL guys. Uh, Archibald wasn't with either groups today. We're now, you know, five days into training camp. What do you think? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? Like, and, John, it's interesting, just as you're aware, if he were to be assigned to the American Hockey League, the owners would pay his full salary, and he wouldn't have to pay escrow. So he'd get $1.5 million he'd play in Bakersfield. Conversely, if he stayed with the parent club, he's probably going to miss about 40% of the games, of which he would not get paid, according to the agreement that was in place between the That's NHL right. and the NHLPA. What do you think is going to happen here with him? It would not. It would not surprise me that uh, uh, unless there, there's a willingness to be open-minded about the vaccination, and you know, players change their minds. Um, you know, there are there are, but at the same time, they don't have to. Uh, and and again, this is because this is not the Oilers being tough on Archibald. This was an agreement between the players' union and the National Hockey League set a couple of months back. Um, it would not surprise me. That, now, they would have to waive Archibald to go to the American League. Yeah. Uh, and he would be he would be of more value uh, in the American League, playing in the American League, because that's a million and a half worth of cap space that Kenny Holland could play with. 
A million, yeah, you get you get a million worth of cap space. Yeah, you get a million worth of cap space. That's yeah. right. Yeah, he's a million and a half dollar cap hit, and as you know, I think the rule right. is uh, you get a one, one point. I think it's just over. I think just, it's just over a million. Yeah, just over a million. Might be twenty five k over fifty k over one of those yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, it's, and that's and, and that might that might that might be more value, particularly if, as you mentioned, if one of the young guys or one of the guys comes and and contributes between now and uh, the, the second week of October. Um, then, uh, then, then Josh, despite the fact that he's, uh, he's really good at his job and very, uh, and, 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 and very, very cost positive, it, it may not be worth it to, uh, to have him available just for a certain percentage of games. John, great stuff. Uh, we'll hook up on Wednesday. Actually, Wednesday, Brendan's going to be hosting. I'm going to be on the plane going to Winnipeg. Okay. So Holy smokes, you traveling again, Bob. What is that like? That is amazing. And doing games from a broadcast booth in another arena. You must be thrilled. I'm stoked, and uh, we're just happy to take it shift by shift. As you, <laughs> you, as you know, what did Wayne Gretzky say at the end of Boys in the Bus? You're only as good as your last shift. And then Glenn Anderson yeah. decided to run on that after, but we can't go down that path. I'm not doing that one. All right, John, it was beauty. Thanks for your time. See you later. NHL insider and chief political correspondent John Shannon joining us on Oilers Now. 1253 in Edmonton. Guests on this show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night in the town, every meal's Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For the occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. We'll take a quick timeout, come back with your texts when we return on Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. 12.55 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. So tomorrow night, uh, Seattle cracking in town, and we'll read through some of the uh, new rules that are in place uh, in the building at Rogers Place as we welcome back fans. I'll get to that again maybe just uh, just around 1.20 today. Uh, the Edmonton Elks are also in Ottawa tomorrow. It's, uh, and that game is where, Brendan Escott? Where is that going to be broadcast? That is in Ottawa. No, but where is uh, where's the actual... Because uh, tomorrow night's hockey game is on 6.30, Chad. So. Oh, I sorry. I see what you're saying. Yeah, our sister station, uh, 103.9 Kiss and Country. That's All right. So uh, Morley and Dave and uh, Eddie Steele. I know Morley and Eddie did the Golden Bears game Saturday. Um, uh, they'll have the call along with Mike Dermott. I just want to read this text on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Hi, Bob. The CFL is a dying sport in Canada. I love the game but it's the truth. Soccer will become the new sport as so many people from different walks of life are bringing the sport here. Unfortunately, hockey has become Americanized and the CFL was the only true Canadian-style sport we have left. Thanks. I don't... Brendan, I disagree with that text, and I'll tell you why I don't think the CFL is dying in Canada. Um, you got to give credit where credit's due. TSN. We, we had John Shannon on a couple weeks ago. 
I, I, I do think that soccer is growing in pop popularity. There's no question. You have lots of people from uh, coming from other places uh, on the globe where soccer is the biggest sport in the world. But TSN does such a good job for the CFL, and I, obviously all the regional radio rights holders contribute as well. But TSN l- helps legitimize the CFL. Um, just like TSN's done a real good job uh, with Hockey Canada and the World Juniors. And uh, so, do you agree or disagree with that? I guess he wasn't listening to me. You're uh, pointing out at me. I know. I totally No, no, agree. I'm just saying, like, the, the, the texts are saying that mm-hmm. CFL is going to be dying. And uh, to me, that, that relationship with the TSN is going to stop that from happening. Like, I think TSN's really helped out the Canadian Football League. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that is further cemented, as you mentioned, by the fact that you've seen it with the World Junior Tournament and how, you know, endeared that's become right across our country as well. All right, another texter comes in. If they do follow the schedule without managed games played to reduce games lost, Archibald would lose 44 games, two-time quarantine, two weeks, one game in U.S., and then back for another two weeks of quarantine. I haven't worked out the exact number. I thought it was more like... He'd miss about fifty, or he'd miss about forty percent of the games, which means he would not get paid as an unvaccinated player. Uh, it's going to be intriguing to watch. Uh, there you go, and lots of others are jumping in here. This text comes in saying Oilers Jay texts the show. We haven't heard from him for a while. Uh, Bob, the Oilers cannot afford to make this con- uh, concession for Josh Arch- Archibald. I believe it will cause continuity problems along with the possible personal disputes in the room. You did mention that he has to clear waivers. What would be wrong with just losing him for Moiters J? I'll be honest. I don't think he'd get claimed. If he was vaccinated and put out there, I think there'd be teams that would look at him on a one-year deal at one and a half. But as an unvaccinated player, because he's gonna, he'd have some problems in other places as well, I'm not convinced he'd get claimed. I'm, I, and I'd hazard a guess by this time next year, if you're not vaccinated, there aren't going to be jobs for you in the NHL. It's that simple. Might not just be not jobs for you in the NHL. So we'll see where it all goes. All right, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And then when we come back, last night's first star, Derek Ryan of the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.